The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Great Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock. I am back. We are, our nose is to the grindstone. We are uh, finishing Best Ball Mania 3. We are firing up main event drafts. We are we are getting after it. I am joined by Kyle Dvorak from uh, soon to be Roto World again. Thank you to the return of Matthew Barry. We got uh, we got news and notes to cover, and uh, unfortunately, this is the Albert Okuibunum funeral pyre podcast. Absolutely the toughest of scenes. I am I'm in a Jamaican airport. The the air conditioning is not working. A fire alarm is going off in the Jamaican airport. I'm having the worst time. I've been going through customs for like an hour. And, uh, you know, I'm checking my phone. I get some cell reception. And I see Hayden Winks just fucking laughing at me about Albert O still being in the game in the fourth quarter. I'm, I'm DMing Ben Albright. You know, he's telling me it's all about getting him to block. Cecil Lammy is, oh, is, is, a, blocking, is oh, that's a blocking thing. That's all it was. <laughs> Cecil, Cecil Lammy is reporting that the team wants Dulcich to be the starter. Dulcich has not been available for like three weeks with a hamstring injury. It's a tough fucking scene, Kyle. Yeah, it's not good. Like we, uh, you know, we could still run good on this. You know, the, the Dulcich, uh, you know, hammy lingers into the season and Albert O is as good as we thought he was. Or we, we I did this joke and then you thought you were the first one to do this joke. What if he's the guy you need in week 17? What if he just goes out and scores three touchdowns in week 17? But I mean, it's 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 a loss. Like I, I'm already willing to chuck this up. As, as I, I have not taken him in a best ball draft since Same. Saturday. I I yep. did take him in the main event uh, yesterday at at the twelfth round, which feels fine in tight end premium. I, I, uh, you're taking but, a backup tight end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but hey, he might be the guy you need. I mean, this is uh, if I can do my coping bit, this would be my coping bit. You don't win the AFC West as currently constructed, not putting your best pass catchers out there. Can he they might give, not be give... the best pass catcher, man? I, I mean, oh, I, no, no, I'm sunken. I mean, Dulcich was a good prospect. I, I like, I had never contended that Dulcich wasn't a good prospect. I just thought everything Albert O had done up to this point in his career told us that he was very good. I mean, the team is, like you said, it, it very well could just be a blocking thing, but like, into the fourth like like really are the reps against dudes who are getting cut on the cut down to 85 or whatever those are the blocking reps he needed uh you know obviously i wanted it you and i both wanted this to be a thing more than anyone else both spiritually and financially uh but like dulcich was a good prospect a good pass catching prospect uh i don't we've lost i I am totally chalking up the l i'm not i won't probably take him again we we absolutely we absolutely lost like especially the prices we were paying exactly Um, like like there was uh there was maybe like a week where he was falling because the dulcich hype was really picking up but at like a 
12 at like tight end 12 it's one of the biggest l's i mean it's certainly the biggest l i've taken to this point in the preseason in terms of exposures to guys like it's it's horrible yeah it's the only player i've been on like there have been players i have missed out on like i didn't get enough george pickens early but the only player i have been on that i'm just like looking at these rosters like bro like it's fine like i was i was willing to take on that risk this one i did not I did not quite grasp how much risk I was taking on uh, with this one because I just felt really dang confident that we were locking in, locking in at least a few good touchdown spike weeks from Alberto. And like I said, it's not over, but it's a loss. Like we could. I mean, it, he needs. He now needs something to go in his favor, whether yeah, it be exactly. Dulcich, like Dulcich, uh, exacerbating this injury, uh, the team just being like. I honestly, maybe the best thing that would happen would be the Broncos starting out like zero and three. And Sutton and Judy just kind of being the guys they've been to this point in the NFL and not taking a step, right? Because, like, let's just be real about Jerry Judy's sample in the NFL to this point. Like, he's been fine, but has not been Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown. Like, has not been, you know, the the returns that we've seen on some of these other first-round wide receivers. And the the Patrick injury, I mean, that kind of already went in his favor. I think if, if Patrick and Hamler we're like 100% good to go. I think we'd be heading into the season with them feeling super comfortable with a blocking tight end being in there. Uh, I, I think probably the right place to take him now is in the Gasicki, Njoku, Hunter Henry grouping of guys who all go like 20, 30 picks later. But that adjustment has not come in the best ball streets yet. I would take him even after that. I, I legit think they're going to use him like a backup. And they weren't using him on like 12 personnel so clearly like he's not he's only out there to to catch passes which is fine but like you should be out there all the time right so I think he is just a a straight up like highly used backup like Jonu Smith right and I would take him where I'd take Jonu Smith like oh I'm... come on that's too far that's and I like John I love Jonu uh in in the 17th 18th round like I'm taking I have, him I have some John, yeah. yeah I'm taking him a lot there but like so, the, the 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 thing that makes it more palatable in general is that tight end is such a low scoring shitty position that and tight end like would I rather take Albert O at this horrible price right now or Dalton Schultz at his horrible price? I would rather take sure. Albert O at yeah. his horrible price than Dalton Schultz at his horrible price. That's all the yeah. cope I have. Yeah, <laughs> I have even less cope than that. This is from uh, PFF Nate Janky Yankee. I'm sorry if I don't uh, pronounce your name it's, right. But this, last... this tweet you're about to read is so damning. Brutal, man. It is brutal. And the best hit was a real luck box hit. Last year, the, the veteran tight ends who saw any fourth quarter preseason game time last year, any ranked by receiving yards. Ricky Seals-Jones, number one at 271. And Ricky Seals-Jones is uh, a season-long ending injury away uh, of Logan Thomas to that number being like 27 yards, not 271. And 271 is so low. After that, it's dudes below 200. Like guys who are playing in the fourth quarter, if they're vets in the preseason, are nobodies. They're they're straight-up backup backups. And I don't quite feel that down bad about Albert O, but it's like... like I, I think he is in no danger of being cut. That's the, that that's is the kindest the, thing I can say at this point. Totally I agree. Think, totally I think agree. he is in zero danger of being cut. I think he will be active in week one. If you set the line at one and a half targets in week one, minus 110 both sides, I'd, I'd probably bet over. It'd be yeah. close. <laughs> Depending, if, now, if Dulcich isn't active, I'd, I'd take the over for sure. Um 
but I honestly, it feels like a lot of this hinges on Dulcich, like actually being the, I mean, you know, like there, there's this thing that's happening in our circles where like, because Albert O is having a down bad preseason, that has to mean Dulcich is up, right? Well, like Dulcich has not been available. He has not been practicing with the team. He's not been active in uh, any preseason game. He did not play in their joint practices against the Cowboys. In fact, Albert O scored a 55 yard touchdown in the joint practices that this is the other thing that's so annoying is the day before the two days before the preseason game uh he scores this touchdown in training camp russell wilson says all these complimentary things about him yada yada and then we get there and nathaniel hackett is like fucking hate this guy don't don't want to play this guy no yeah i mean like you said you're a little more coping me both of us are like this isn't the guy you're taking in your your home leagues you're not even taking him in your like mid deep leagues like it has to go to me. It has to go to 20 rounds. I'd probably take him 17, 18, 19, somewhere in that range. But you know, this is an L I'm taking the L on this one. I should have been more diligent uh, with the Dulcich hype. Cause they've been clear that they like Dulcich. Uh, I was just buying into my evaluation and like, you know, I'm, my evaluation isn't so subjective. I'm not watching him be like, he's so big and fast. I want, he's been really efficient in the NFL. It doesn't matter if the, if the Broncos don't care that he's been efficient. It does not matter. It doesn't so, matter. Big egg on my face. L no two ways around it. We're just banking on a, a three tutty week 17. And, you know, luckily, uh, Best Ball Mania 3 is only 67% full. Uh, as of right now, I am in six slows and I have 98 drafts completed. So I have uh, roughly 45 more drafts to complete to get my Albert O exposure in Best Ball Mania. You can the, get down what, to 66% Albert O. Yeah. What'll be really funny will be to see my exposures in Puppy 3, Puppy 1, and Puppy 2 to Albert O. Like, probably there. I'm, I, I probably have like 40% Albert O in one of yeah. those contests. So it'd be really nice if he was the guy you needed in, uh, in, in week 17. I guess the... There should be a readjustment, though, because if you're removing, you know, a, a, let's say a 12, 13, 14 percent target share from Alberto, you're removing Tim Patrick being a starting wide receiver for this team. I mean, either Sutton or Judy are being underdrafted or there is an unnamed Broncos player who should be going in the top uh, 150 picks because even Hamler's not going in the top. And, and the reports from training camp are that this guy, Brandon Johnson and Kendall Hinton have been playing the third wide receivers. I Now, that might just be because Hamler is still just doing individual work coming back mm-hmm. from his injury, but there's probably a Broncos being underdrafted. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the good news is that I have been above, like I've been taking all of the Broncos, Albert O included, but to, to you know, all of the, the bad Albert O juju that we're getting right now is pretty good for like Cortland Sutton seeing a massive red zone role. Cause I think in three consecutive years that he's been playing, uh, he has led the team in end zone targets and he's been two of his past three years that he's either tied or led outright the team in red zone targets. Like it's very clear when he's on the field. I don't know if he out targets Jerry Judy because his splits with Judy were not good last year, but his red zone role and his end zone role were great. And I would think a big body tight end like Albert O would have played that role. Obviously now that doesn't seem likely at all. So yeah, I still, this makes me feel better about my Judy and Sutton bags though. Obviously I don't feel great about Albert O. It doesn't really affect my outlook of the offense though. I still think this is like one of the easiest slam dunk offenses to be targeting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chiefs and Broncos have just kind of been the offenses all all offseason i mean it feels like uh and so it's the crazy thing is that sutton and judy are more expensive than every chief's wide receiver like just absolutely wild um all right 
no, continuing in the the down bad uh, grouping of guys, Antonio Gibson returns the opening kickoff, and then Brian Robinson gets the first handoff from Carson Wentz. It it seems as if Antonio Gibson might be the most down bad player uh, who is going in the top 100 picks thus far. Yeah, it is quite a bad look. I think was that the the kickoff return and then Gibson uh, not playing. Was that the second week? Because I believe the first week. He may have gotten the start, but he fumbled in almost immediately. Like a second touch, he fumbled. And then I believe it was their, their OC, uh, Scott Turner, immediately says, like, yep, fumbling's been an issue with him. He, you know, I don't know if he said that he led the league and lost fumbles last year, but I believe he did. Uh, he talks about it straight up to reporters, like, yeah, that's not good, and we're not trying to see that from him. And Brian Robinson was, at least in his final year, it took him forever to break out, but in his final year was like a 300-touch player at Alabama. Like, those dudes are a rare breed, even if it took him a while to finally ascend that depth chart. Like, then he gets day two capital. These are the types of players you would generally think we would be targeting, but he goes into a backfield that is crowded in a way that seems more and more fragile by the day. Like, Robinson's ADP is climbing, but in any tournament or home league or any league that doesn't have teams that are drafted in July or whatever I'm I'm pretty fine kind of buying into this Brian Robinson thing because the team just doesn't like Gibson they've made it very 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 clear all offseason by bringing back McKissick like literally having to like get in a bickering war with the Bills to bring back McKissick drafting Brian Robinson I, I don't think they're high on Gibson the way we used to be and neither am I so I like Brian Robinson uh it kind of feels like his upside case has to be that Gibson is completely shut out I don't that could happen, man. I don't know. I don't want to say it could happen, but like they don't like Gibson and Brian Robinson could be a very good between the tackles player. So I'm, I'm even at the falling cost. It's like super hard for me to get on Gibson. I can kind of get on board with like Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery at the falling cost. Cause I don't think those guys get shut out of their backfield. Last time we were on, you were like, yeah, sometimes Jacobs goes 20 picks behind ADP. And I was like, Hey, that doesn't happen. And then just in the, you know, things have gotten a little bit worse since then, but just in the past week or two, I've actually used him as sort of like the zero RB. Give me 12 points. That's all I need. Uh, I just need some stable points. And the same with David Montgomery stable. Doesn't even feel like a word you could apply to Gibson at this point. It's just bad. I mean, I think he's now a, uh, I think he's now a contingent value guy, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's a good down bad way to put it, man. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like Brian Robinson is Jordan Howard and Antonio Gibson is just Miles Sanders, but on a shitty team is really what it's like. Um, and, and McKissick coming in and play, it's just like, and I don't, I mean, I don't like McLaurin. I don't really like Dotson. I I just like the commanders. I feel like for a, for a first round rookie who is clearly going to play at at least in all two wide sets, like. It's, it's sort of, I'm going to fade my own evaluation of him simply based on the cost, not because I am like in love with getting him, but like, this is something that I was so not in on Justin Jefferson. Cause you could get guys, Jalen Rieger is in the same draft class. Just keep drafting Jalen Rieger. And there, you know, the reports for Jefferson were, oh, he's playing behind BC Johnson or whatever. And that did last right. two weeks, but he was just really good. And my evaluation of him was wrong. And I don't want to be burned on that again, especially it's such a cheap cost for Jahan Dotson. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think that Dotson is a, not that good of a player, but like, it's, that just really shouldn't matter at the, at the cost I've been taking him. I've been taking him a little bit, um, especially because some of my favorite wide receivers have gotten more expensive. So it's like, you know, I used to be able to get Romeo Dubes in the 18th round. I used to be able to get Isaiah McKenzie in the 17th round, like so just some of those, uh i mean even even like 18th round picks like zay jones is like a 16th round pick now so just some guys that were kind of like backstop picks are gone now um so kind of having to go in a 
different direction there. I mean, I, I guess this is where I would end on Gibson. Probably if he truly settles as like the running back 47, I am going to take some of him just because I think he's a pretty talented player. He might not be that talented of a running back, which maybe seems to be the issue. <laughs> but I mean, like he ran for a thousand yards last season. He was one of the 12 players who ran for a thousand yards. So it's like kind of the same reason why I take Zeke sometimes in the fourth round. Now I wasn't going to be running back Zeke as the, you know, uh, running back eight or whatever, but I'll take Zeke sometimes at the fourth round, you know, because on a lot in, 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 in best ball, not in managed. I have no interest in Antonio Gibson and managed, uh, Isaiah likely. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I struggle to see like what the the upside case is because I've already been on this podcast saying I don't love Mark Andrews at cost, but what about the, the second tight end? Obviously, likely it's cheaper, but like what are the odds you get like a, a performance out of him that is so much better than the players going at the end of your drafts? Like I'd still take like Daniel Bellinger over him because I think Daniel Bellinger looks like a very strong shot to just play like most every down. Revan Jordan played a ton of snaps. It was like 16 of 17 routes run on the 17 uh, Davis Mills drop back. So there are still guys who I think are not great, but kind of like low end starters. Mo Ali Cox goes to the end of the draft and he looks, you know, he got rested like the rest of the starters did. So it looks like he's a good shot to play a lot of the same, maybe not all of them. So I'm not like super in unlikely, but I do think he's like a super interesting dynasty. Stash. He's a really good receiving prospect. And going back a few years when the Ravens actually had like tight ends that were usable, they were one of the heaviest tight end teams in the NFL. This hasn't been the case the past two years. That's because they, they it, probably it thought- even was no, it even was last year. Right? Cause I was, I was talking about Isaiah likely with um, Scott Barrett earlier. And if you add up Josh Oliver, Nick Boyle and Eric Tomlinson snaps from last year. It's like right about like 40, 45% of the team snaps. So like if, if the team actually likes Isaiah likely as much as the beats say they do, which maybe, maybe is true and maybe is not, there is a role. And then the other thing is that none of the Duvernay pro Tylen Wallace group of guys has really established themselves as like, oh, we got to get this guy on the field. We got to get this guy targets. This guy's having, uh, you know, the great breakout training camp. So there, if, if if Isaiah likely is this outstanding, unreal player, then there's a role for him. I just, I don't really have an opinion on if he's that good or not. Yeah, I think uh, what I was getting at was like a few years ago, they were like one of the most tight end heavy teams in the NFL. Last year, they still ran a lot of 22, but they almost ran like no 12. They were like bottom three in 12 personnel. When they had Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, who would have been like the best trio, like a trio of tight ends. Teams don't really use trios. But when they had this trio that was like Hayden Hurst is a fine pass catcher, middle of the road type of guy, is a fringe starter maybe. And when he's your backup and Nick Boyle, a good blocker, is your third tight end. They like nearly led the league or led the league in 13 personnel in 2019. 22 personnel and we're still just barely below average in 12 I have to imagine that year their average tight ends in the field was easily the most in the league and we could probably see that this year because they've made a point of not only uh you know taking multiple fourth round tight ends but then trading for uh, Oliver recently as well so I think to me he's fine as like the 20th round really I would love to get him like dynasty leagues or tight end premium like the deep deep tight end premium in your standard 18 round best ball it's honestly still not quite getting there just because his path to like really breaking out I, I can't even imagine it like it has to be like a mark andrews injury um i mean mark andrews injury would obviously be part of it but it also might just be uh them just being like leading the league in 12 personnel and also like remember like andrews for a majority of his career has been like a 65 percent 
Snapshare guy, not a, you know, a Gronkian Kelsey 85, 90%. Like uh, I tweeted this yesterday. He has more career games with a Snapshare below 50% than above 80%. So it's, it really is just a matter of do they like, is one, is he the clear number two? How much does a third tight end play? Like is Nick Boyle still playing 20 snaps a game? Uh, you know, is uh, Charlie Kalar who did have Charlie Kalar is injured. He had to have He's hurt some, right now. yeah, he had to have some sort of uh, minor procedures, but uh, I, I am, I am interested in him. I think he's a fine 18th round pick. Um, I, I think, especially think he's a good 18th round pick in Kelsey Kittle, Waller, uh, Pitts builds as the tight end too. Yeah, it's probably fine. You could make an argument for a lot of guys in those tight end too, because they like that tight end too in an ideal world for your team. Really shouldn't be taking uh, taking a roster spot that much. Uh, I especially w- with my love of Rashad Bateman as well. Like I think there's going to be a pretty big gap, and there was last year between the top two receivers, one of whom is Mark Andrews, and the third guy on that team. So I'm not too interested, but it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Well, Lamar has never thrown more than 396 passes in a season. That's so. a, that's another issue. Like I'd be fine taking the third pass catcher on a team that's going to pass a lot. I don't project that for them. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, Isaiah Likely's most likely outcome is probably like forty-seven targets and two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are just, uh, you know, feeling feeling all. I mean, it's just it's the preseason, right? It's like the the market has become so much more rational in years past, where Amir Abdullah would end up being like an eighth round pick based <laughs> off a fifty yard, uh, you know, preseason touchdown run. But we still overreact enough, like. Uh, I mean, I did see our next news item here. Damian Pierce went in the fourth round of a main event league uh, over over the weekend. I will say, I mean, I I am I am definitely kicking myself for not getting a little bit more of Pierce earlier. Yeah. Not super interested in buying like the running back thirty, but I I could see that being wrong, right? Uh, one of the things uh, Gretch kind of found this out a couple of years ago was he did some analysis of these running backs who are like late risers like week two or the preseason or later guys who go way up and he generally found that they don't actually go up enough that the okay. that the late running back risers it tends to just be hugely predictive of a lot of work basically yeah i mean like pierce i believe got rested last week uh like that is a very clear and i think i think mac played that game and the mac or burke had played that game as well it's like it's very clear I, I think it's very clear he's their starter i think the only thing if you you're like taking pierce now that you're sweating is just what percentage of the backfield he gets i would i would peg him for the lead i think that's pretty obvious the way they're using or not using him by just resting him but like he was the committee back of all committee backs at Florida, I mean, peaked at 106 carries. And uh, although that was in 2020, he got to play 12 games. So I, there's no adjustment to be made there. Peaked at 574 yards, was not a particularly notable ca- pass catcher. Not terrible at it, but never top 20. And not a great athlete, like below average Spark X score. I, like, I, he's just such a middle of the road. I couldn't care less about him as a prospect type of player. And to get him, like you said, going in the fourth round, obviously that won't be his ADP, but like, yeah the the maybe Gretsch is is right I mean literally the math bears out he's obviously right uh on a macro sense to me in this micro sense he was just such a middling prospect on a team that sure if you put a middling prospect on say uh the the 49ers right you put Trey Sermon on the 49ers he told me you know Tyrion Davis Price Tyrion Davis Price you tell me I think these guys have a chance to get reps I'm excited about them because that is a great team to be a running back on 
I really don't buy the Texans being a great team to be a running back on. And I think he'll probably be the leader of a committee in which he is just getting between the tackles work and Rex Burkhead's probably out there for like pass blocking and route running stuff. So I'm not buying the buildup though. I definitely, uh, you know, given the way things could have gone, should have been buying when he was cheap. Yeah. Uh, all right. What is, uh, what are some of the news items you wanted to hit? Uh, have you, how long has it been since we've gotten the Isaiah Pacheco hype? Cause he's another one that, uh, this Gretsch thing has me shook. Cause I, I generally do believe that we're just bad at reacting to information one way or the other. It's just hard to correctly react to very small samples of information. So the fact that we're not pricing in the sort of growth of these players doesn't surprise me. I totally buy that uh, analysis from Gretsch. Isaiah Pacheco, such an incredibly not good prospect, like a terrible pass catcher in his final season, not productive. I get his offense at, at Rutgers was egregious, like truly probably like an FCS level offense trying to play in the big 10, but his, his numbers were terrible there. Really to me, he is like the next of, I'm stealing this from Ray Summerlin of formerly of writing for NBC. Now he's just my boss. Uh, he's like the next Niall Davis or Christine Michael. And that guy on the chiefs can still or be excited. How about, how about Darwin Thompson, who once upon a time, you had to use a seventh or eighth round selection in yeah. the FFPC main event to have the rights to cut Darwin Thompson three weeks <laughs> into the season. Yeah. The hype cycle is very similar to Darwin. Uh, I mean, more in a, a prospect sense where he's not productive, but he's got size and speed for days. Like he is a, a super athletic prospect. But like watching the preseason, he doesn't look like a special runner. Like he doesn't look like he's using his athleticism to its max potential. His numbers in college were just egregious. And in his final year, he's getting touted as like having good hands. He was last in the FBS by a country mile in yards per route run. He had half of the yards per route run as the 137th ranked running back as the 136th ranked running back. The worst. And I get the offense was bad, but he has never been a special pass catcher. He was terrible his final year. And he's not a special runner, at least based on just the, the simple numbers he put up in college. So another one, his rise, another one, I, I totally should have seen uh, at least the potential for this to be coming and bought him when he was not being drafted, when his competition was like dead leg Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones making just above the vet men. So that was uh, another leak on, on my spot. But now at this elevated price, it's just making more bullish on CH having a truly like not that good backup behind him. So I, I was curious about this and I went back and ran a Google News search uh, filtered down to just 2019 for Darwin Thompson. <laughs> Would you like to hear? Would you like to hear would some 2019 hear Darwin Thompson headlines? Uh, December 8th, 2019, Darwin Thompson will emerge as an offensive spark from the Kansas City Chiefs King. Remember, this is when Damian kept getting injured. Preseason, Chiefs running back Darwin Thompson getting goal line work with the starters. Preseason 2020, Darwin Thompson sounds ready to take a leap from the Arrowhead Addict. Like, we've done this before. Uh, and I actually did a long Twitter thread yesterday detailing how insane the Mahomes Reed era running backs have been. I mean, if Kareem Hunt never uh, physically assaults a woman outside of his hotel room, like who knows how all of this plays out? Because after 11 weeks when Kareem Hunt got cut, I had kind of forgotten he was this good. He had 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns in 11 games. And then basically ever since then, we have had Damian and Daryl, Darwin rotating in, Derek Gore, Jarek McKinnon, LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell. Like, it has been, the, I mean, really worse than the Patriots' backfield ever could have dreamed of being. Those, because are, those are like 
Like, I mean, they had to dig up the graves of LaShawn McCoy and Le'Veon Bell. Like those guys are, were not one foot out of the league. They were like a toe left in the league and the other guys are just straight up backups. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I just, I just think that, uh, this is where I've landed. I just, it feels like it's, it is probably about the time to start buying Clyde Edwards layers. Oh, it's been the time. As someone who's got the bags, uh, because I mean, Herzig tweeted this yesterday, right? It's like CH is a league winner of none of you even care. I mean, the other guys are so like, you know, I get, I mean, I just spent uh, 100% of my fab in a deep 30 man roster dynasty league on Isaiah Pacheco. Like I get, I get the allure. I don't think he's very good. He could, but again, that's actually the argument with Clyde edwards I don't think Clyde edwards is very good either. I just don't really think it particularly matters in, in the context that he landed in. This is my guess how it plays out. They're going to start the year trying to use CH like they used him as a rookie. And if he does well, they will keep doing it, but he's going to have a really quick hook. Right. So like a, a game and a half of like, you know, fumbling or just like, you know, getting stoned the goal line or whatever. And we're going to be getting McKinnon and Pacheco and Derek Orr is going to hang around the team on the practice squad. And, you know, who knows what happens with Rojo, but if, if the do you buy the gallbladder stuff? Do you think that CH is telling the truth about that? Because if know. that's no. true, if they so I think it's probably not true. But if it is yeah. true that he entered into the season physically not because he's a small guy anyways, so not being physically one hundred percent is going to be really bad for him. Then there is room for me to be more optimistic. I it's just it's such a it's such a fucking conundrum. I don't know. And, and what, honestly, uh, how much the, weight did they say he lost? What did he get down to? You know this. I don't remember the number. So he said. Yeah, yeah, he says. Yeah. He, what did said, he say? I'm curious. He said he weighed 160 pounds. That's from which his, is, I think what he came into the NFL at 207. At least that's what player profiler has. That's 34. You said 160? You, you said he lost 30 or what? That's what, say? that's what, that's what Clyde Edwards Hilaire said he was down at 160 pounds. That's like 50 pounds. I do not buy that. I, Dude, you, reporters at camp would have looked at him and be like, whose child dressed up to come out to these games? Like, it would have been so... I definitely think he probably... It probably happened. He probably lost some weight after the... I mean, no surgery. one reported this, though. Yes, no exactly. one reported this. He, he did not get down 50 pounds, right? Even if the you know the player profiler shot a little high from where he was going into, you know, before the surgery, 40 pounds, 30 pounds. Like, that is an insane amount to lose, uh, so much so that like, I, I think he's, you know, given himself a little credit. I don't think he straight up lied about the story, but uh, I do think he, he maybe sort of gave himself a little bit of credit for the reason he didn't perform last year. So uh, yeah, I, I, to me, the argument has always been that he can catch passes. Will he catch passes? I, I don't know. I think McKinnon and Pacheco both got some third down work on like the third and longs in their last preseason game, but uh, he can catch passes. He could be functional at the goal line, especially when it's so hard to defend the rest of that team. It shouldn't be too hard to punch in against like lighter boxes relative to what most teams face at the goal line. And now I feel more confident than I ever have that his backups are like not even backup caliber, frankly. So the argument feels stronger for me and I'm going to keep taking him. He may end up being one of the players I'm like more high, you know, it's scary because like he's not good. I don't think he's good. I, I, my argument will never be that he's good. But I yeah. think his backups are even worse. Uh, and that's kind of all I need for a Chiefs. Especially, backup. weirdly enough, especially if Rojo gets cut. Because I do it, like we're I do it, for sure. I do at least feel confident Rojo is a way better rusher He's than Clyde Edwards. He's a solid tackles like a slasher yeah. type of guy. 
So yeah, and it seems almost for sure he's getting cut because he's not going to play special teams is the problem. So if you have McKinnon and Pacheco who can both run and catch passes, obviously Clyde Hilaire can, are you going to keep a fourth guy who is not getting work between the tackles because he's not your he's not your second or third best running back, but he's also not gunning punts or returning them. I don't think so. I'm not, not sure about that, but I would not think so. I feel so annoyed. They gave Pacheco number 10. That just feels so obnoxious. Uh, It's not, it can't be worse than sky getting 24. Oh, I love sky in 24. Uh, I don't know, man. Receiver and running back. See, that's such a, I didn't know. I didn't know you had such a boomer take in you. You're you're advocating for him being a running back. I want him to be a receiver. You're the boomer. There's no way to spin this against me. I'm advocating for, I mean, the coolest number is number one, which McKinnon has, right? So that's, that, that is a, that is a limiting factor. Uh, The, the, the Matt LaFleur 1A and 1A quote, Generally speaking, coach quotes are not going to move me a ton, but I'm so predisposed to AJ Dillon anyways, that that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, it more just backs up the idea that like, they're going to get Christian Watson for two weeks of practice before the season. Romeo Dobbs, as much as they have also layered praise on him. A lot of times, if you listen to the full, like Aaron Rodgers quote, he's like, yeah, he still messes up some stuff, but he's doing really well. Right. He's still a rookie. I think that's the, the operative point. And then it's like Alan Lazard career wide receiver three, Sammy Watkins career can't stay on a team for more than two years type of guy. And Randall Cobb incredibly old and, and, and probably dusty, although he's kind of efficient for the past few years. So I, I kind of like Cobb as a late round flyer point being, very bad, uh, thin, scarce receiver room and really talented, like maybe one of the best one, two punches in the backfield. So we could see them play at an incredibly slow pace with an incredibly run heavy relative to recent years. Cause I think at least last year they were, uh, you know, a positive pass rate over expectation team. They won like 13 games. So they're still going to look like a pretty neutral pass pass rate team. When you adjust for the situation, they actually passed more than you would have expected slightly. It was like plus 4%. That might drop to negative this year, given their uh, their lines getting healthy too as well. And then they get a really good one-two punch. So I was uh, taking a lot of Dylan early and kind of just moved to different flavor of the week players. And I'll probably try and get more of him. Are you, but like the fact that they could be 1A, 1A. Uh, and the thing that's really weird is how well Dylan did as a pass catcher last year. It was not in his profile coming out at all. And he's like, he didn't do anything as a rookie, really. So it didn't matter. And then last year, he just straight up looked good and played well as a receiver out of the backfield. Does that have you suspicious at all of Aaron Jones? Because my, you know, the thesis of the Aaron Jones play, anyone will tell you, is that sure, he's, you know, split the backfield, maybe even, even, maybe he doesn't get all of the carries, you know, the majority of them, right? Who cares? With Devontae Adams out, his splits for targets are absolutely He gets all the green zone touches. But like Dylan is a big bruising back who would be perfect at the goal line. And he can now catch passes. Like like, I'd be sweating if I had, you know, a lot of Aaron Jones because Dylan looks like he can do it all now. And that's bad for Aaron Jones, whose calling card is the touchdowns, but it's also just a ton of targets sans Devontae Adams. Well, it's kind of the theory that people have always said about Derrick Henry, which is like, why would you not just throw him the ball and let him run anyways? Because it's not like running, like, I mean, sure, if you're Alvin Kamara or Austin Eckler, you're running these really precise angle routes and like you're a good route runner and you have soft hands, but most running back receptions are not that way. It's it's dump offs, it's in the flat, you're going and turning around. Like it's not really like hard precision work that, you know, you'd have to be Devontae Adams to do. And I mean, just if you were give if you give me the option between giving Aaron Jones the ball in space or AJ Dillon the ball in space, I'd be like, well, I want Dillon to have the ball because he's bigger and stronger and and faster, you know. So that is that is a huge thorn. 
And the fact that Dylan did well at it, yeah, I mean, I don't have big Aaron Jones bags because I like, I think I like Swift a little bit more than him. But then where Jones goes, I like Tyreek and Mike Evans a little bit more. So I just don't get very much Aaron Jones. I don't get a ton of AJ Dylan either because he is, I'm taking quarterbacks a lot where he goes and and Dylan gets like a round premium in the FFPC because the boomers love AJ Dylan even more than I do but that I I would be sweating with Aaron Jones bags I think I got I got one for you Mike Gusecki not a good blocker a very I don't know if you saw this uh it was on a safety I think two is at quarterback in the preseason and there's like a like a linebacker lined up over him he's on the right to his left and then a, a defensive end to his right and he just gets stuck. He doesn't know who to block. He doesn't block either of them. And it's a safety, an easy safety in which what I believe was his man, his assignment generates pressure. And then the uh, linebacker ends up getting the sack for the safety. I believe he's called down for a safety. And then he stays out beyond the starters. And after the game, he says like, yeah, they're trying to get me more reps. He had already said in the previously in the off season, he's like, it's like playing a new different, a entirely different position in this scheme. Uh, like <laughs> he's been falling, right? So it's not like you have to pay exactly for his production last year and when he falls like pretty late in drafts it's hard for me not to click him because his production has been so strong uh in recent years but like he could just be a really big misfit for this offense are, are you completely out on him I mean it's it's one of those things where probably very similarly to how I approach most fallers like I there are a group of guys I like to take and a group of guys I don't but I am doing so many drafts that when any guy falls like 11 spots past, I'm probably just taking them, you know, like that just, I I think if you're doing 10 drafts, you can kind of just take guys you like and, and have your portfolio filled of all, you know, sky moors and, and, you know, good, good players that you would be excited to see do well. But if you're doing 400 drafts over the course of the off season, you got to just take your medicine a little bit. So that's probably where I'm at that's where I've been at too. I don't want to take him. I'm not targeting him, but like for you and I, uh, I maybe have like over a hundred best balls completed or near completion by now, like going in with 0% Kaseki when he's been like a tight end one back to back years is, is probably not smart given how cheap he is. And he doesn't need to, he's going to I take him. I take him sometimes when I take Tua because you can kind of get it. Like if you have yeah. like the 12, 13 turn pick or whatever, and you've already taken Waddle or something, you know, maybe Waddle fell to you with the three, four turn, then you take Tua and you're like, sure, whatever. Gasicki might tie that into. I mean, the the thing with Gasicki is that they don't really have a third wide receiver anymore. You know, they paid Cedric Wilson free agency money, but I don't know. Gasicki's probably about as efficient in terms sure. of catching passes as him. And like Gasicki, I also think is good. You know, I'm just filing too, in that yeah. category of like guys I think is good. Mm-hmm. So if he broke out and had, you know, 900 yards and seven touchdowns, I don't think I'd be that surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised to see him just be super disappointing again, really. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, do you have do you have thoughts on this Chase Edmonds rise? Just, that one kind of snuck past me, but he's been really, like, I think he's up to, like, running back 28 on underdog. Like, he, like if you want Chase Edmonds now, you got to pay for him. I was never uh, taking him and I certainly won't be taking him now though. Like in the second preseason game, uh, he got like nearly all of the reps through like two drives with the starters. And then he gave up the final third, uh, like the third drive or the the third set of reps to Sony Michelle. Cause I think Raheem Mostert, I don't think he's injured. I think there's like, we're not going to let this guy touch the ball until the regular season starts because why would you for uh, like how injury uh, injury screwed he's been. So I'm not, I'm not super big on Edmonds. He doesn't like, he just never 
in his life has ever been used near the goal line. He's a good pass catcher, but this is not a team that has really been, at least, you know, the team I'm looking back at the 49ers was really big on targeting the running backs that weren't the fullback. So I don't know how well he matches up with the, uh, you know, the scheme in terms of fantasy production. He can still be a very good runner between the 20s, but I don't know if he gets goal line work. I don't know if they throw to their backs as much as other teams throw their running backs. And he's, I don't want to say he's expensive, right? But he's in a range where I like other running backs more. So he, he's probably someone I'll go in pretty low on. And I have a decent amount of Mostert and even some late, late Michelle. I mean, Mostert is like, I feel like if he had had another injury other than the ACL tear, like if it was like, uh, like a high ankle sprain last year or maybe like a broken hand or something. And yeah. <laughs> like, so his coach, you know, his old offensive coordinator pays him, brings him along, you know, he knows the system. Like, I feel like he would be a natural guy for some offseason hype, but I mean, one, uh, we're so conditioned to Mostert being injury prone anyways. He's older than you think because he was on the practice squad for, I think he's 29, and he was a five-year player in college anyway because he uh, was a track star in college and then learned learned how to play football. Uh, I think he went to Purdue. So he's just a weird player in general. But I just, like, I don't know. It really would not be that surprising for uh, Mike McDaniels to trust Raheem Mostert in this scheme the most because he's the one that knows it, you know? He's also just freaking good, man. Like, you can see he's a track star. He has, like, two of the five or six, like, fastest ball carrier plays in next-gen stats over the past three or four years. And he hasn't played that much in the past three or four years because he can't stay healthy. So, like... I, I think uh, like you're, you're probably not getting this massive season from him because it makes no sense for them to give him even 200 carries in a season. He just can't stay healthy. And I think, you know, injuries are hard to predict, but I'm sure some players are more injury prone than others. He's definitely one of them. So you're not getting a massive, like super contingent value season. If he, if Edmund gets hurt tomorrow, they're signing a veteran or they're telling us like Sony Michelle, uh, we've liked Sony Michelle all off season. We feel good about him getting 12 carries a game or whatever, but like, if you like fun, you should be drafting Raheem Mostert because he's really good. He fits the scheme. He literally has been in the scheme before and he succeeded there. So I, I'm still taking Mostert. I don't think he's like due for a massive breakout, but he's like the perfect, he, he is like the most better in best ball running back there has ever been. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know who's not better in any format? Kenneth Walker. Literally could not pay me to take Kenneth Walker I, I on zero. a team at this point. Like I didn't like him anyway. And now he's getting he had a, an off-season hernia surgery. He's on the worst team in the league. Like, I just, there's no way. Like, this guy's, like, running back 60 or something to me. You know, just just no way. And I do like Penny. Um, I'm probably a little bit more in managed, mostly because, you know, I draft these zero RB teams, and you're just begging for someone who can get you nine points to start the year. And, like, Penny can, Penny can rip off a couple. I mean, you know, just, like, it's all going to be on like long runs or whatever, but he's going to be out there. And, and the, the weirdly like Walker has fallen, but Penny hasn't really gone up that much in a corresponding way. Yeah. I wasn't in on either of them until this uh, like hernia surgery, which is like, it would seem to threaten him for week one. And given that this is a team, maybe they don't perceive themselves this way, but like they're a rebuilding team. They're so, so obviously a rebuilding team that like, if they believe in his long-term potential, which obviously they do, really no reason to rush him back from this. So like, I'm not sure we see him in like week one or two. And at that point, if Rashad Penny gets off to a hot start, we could just get similar to the role we saw last year at the end of the season with Rashad Penny. So because there hasn't been a subsequent rise for Penny, I've been getting back into him in the same types of builds you are too. Like, I don't feel great about his prospects on like behind a very, very bad, maybe the worst in the NFL offensive line, one of the lowest win totals, 
but I feel decent about anyone who I can project to get most of the between the tackles work. And he seems to be very talented based on the small sample last year, but uh, you know, dating way back to his college days was also a good college prospect. So because there hasn't really been a subsequent rise, I am getting penny on those similar, like I just need some points type teams. I wasn't taking either of them earlier and I'm not taking Walker now. I just like, this is the perfect scenario for Walker to get shut out for so much of the season. Yeah. I'm also bummed out on the spiller news. Cause like the, oh, the yeah. theory, the theory for spiller was that he would uh, subsume the entirety of the Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, Kalen Balazs, Justin Jackson role. And that it would just be a two man backfield mm-hmm. and spiller would be getting this. And one, it looks like that wasn't happening even before he got injured. Looked like he would still behind at least Josh Kelly, uh, Joshua Kelly. And now he's got this ankle injury. Like I just, I, he is on the, like, I'm just not taking him anymore. Like I'm whatever. I, I don't even know what I have him at now, but whatever I have him at now feels, feels fine. Yep. He, he's the same way as Walker, except like Walker had the potential to really like break out if he was as good as his draft profile said he was. Now I think that's less likely, obviously, but you were never going to get that level of breakout barring a Austin Eckler injury from uh, Isaiah Spiller. And even before the injury, like you said, I think this is important. Like they were very clear that, I mean, they had said and Beats had said multiple times that they liked Kelly as the second running back. Now this ankle injury threatening him for week one, this is the exact same scenario. And they, they seem to like their, their backup in, in Kelly. I don't, are you taking Kelly because of this though? Because I don't think Kelly is no, like, he's no, like a Kel- career cause... plotter, almost a fullback type of like level runner. It just has zero appeal to me. I'm taking none of the backups. And I think this is really good for Austin Eckler because we saw last year, like they wanted to have a second running back, but just none of them were that good. So they were kind of forced to, I would say like, they probably didn't want Austin Eckler to get as many touches as he did because you want to use him in the most high leverage situations as often as possible. And let a Joshua Kelly run these, uh, you know, terrible, you know, second and 10, we got to get a run in here type plays or whatever. But if they don't buy, you know, Spiller's not healthy and they weren't buying him as the two anyways, and Kelly has been nothing but inefficient since entering the league, we could get, uh, you know, Austin Eckler jumping like clearly back into the tier one of running backs. He wasn't that far off, even in half PPR from Jonathan Taylor last year. It was like one or two points per game off of Taylor because he scored a ton of touchdowns and caught more passes. So uh, to me, they're Come, becoming more and more similar to McCaffrey is still my one, but like Taylor versus Eckler, it's a debate. Taylor's still ahead of him, but like, I don't think it's that far off, honestly. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else? What else do you got for, uh, for news items? Khalil Herbert played like, I think every snap with the ones, uh, Dave Montgomery didn't play, but they, they didn't use a second guy. Khalil Herbert, uh, very, very clearly they're like, I would say they're one for one replacement. And the interesting thing is with all this David Montgomery negative camp information. Now he's been out with an undisclosed injury. That could just be rest, frankly, but also supposedly him like getting special team snaps or whatever, a few weeks ago, there's like a non-zero chance that Khalil Herbert maybe comes in for some pass catching work, or even just splits the backfield more evenly giving him not great, but usable ish, you know, pops into your, you know, scores a touchdown pops into your best ball lineup once or twice, and then has that super contingent value. So I wasn't super on Khalil Herbert early in the summer. And I've been rectifying that for like a month now, because he's very clearly like a high contingent value guy, admittedly on a bad offense with a bad offensive line, but uh, you know, you can only find so many guys who could just be one for one replacements to the starters. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've been giving um, this guy, Treston Ebner, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, you know uh, buzz or whatever. I mean, he was like a home run hitter exclusively at uh, at Baylor. You know, I mean, he's like I'm. Mean, he's probably it's like 
uh, you know, it actually is probably nothing. I mean, Herbert <laughs> does seem Herbert does seem like a good um, contingent value. I just like I'm not really trying to draft that many bears the same way. Yeah, I know. Same way I'm not really trying to draft that many um, Seahawks. And maybe you know maybe Tristan Ember is the guy. A perfectly you need. reasonable take. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Christian Watson. Oh, this is actually way more interesting than that. Do you care that Juju has missed like 10 days of practice with this knee injury? I don't uh, think so because for a player with his sort of bad injury luck in recent years, you would just want to say like, yeah, take as much time off as you can. But he was one player who of all the chiefs of, of the, the big three, I, I don't include Michael Hardman in this of the three that I think have really any realistic shot at leading the team, the receivers, at least in receiving yards. He was the one who I was like on the least. I came around to him more. I think you, maybe you and me talked about him. Corrine talked me into him. It's pretty obvious, dude. Anyone who could be like the chief's number one receiver, you should have exposure to. So, uh, but for me, this is just another reason to to keep buying your sky Moors. I mean, he could be, I, I actually think Juju is this year's answer. Best answer for who could be this year's Cooper cup. Like the guy who goes absolutely nuclear from like the fourth, fifth round one, because yeah, I think okay. he's good. And two, you know, obviously he is on the Kansas city Chiefs, So that's pretty, I nice. mean, he could be really good. Like, obviously yeah. you look at, you know, the first two or three years in the NFL and he was like, he was like the dynasty wide receiver one on track to be like truly one of the league's next superstars. And then his quarterback starts aging. He gets injured. They lose Antonio Brown. Sort of everything falls apart. He's been injured ever since inefficient, inefficient when he's been on the field, but like it, it shouldn't, it wouldn't be surprising. Right. If a guy who was like one of the best receivers for a two or three year stretch and has had some bad luck come his way, all of a sudden gets Patrick Mahomes and is great again. So that's, I mean, this was the argument that sort of convinced me. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's not the most thoughtful argument. It doesn't have to be. Uh, he's a good wide receiver with the Chiefs potentially. So I got back on him. I'm not too concerned about him sitting out of practice. Do we want to do we want to do the Romeo Dubes thing about how uh, a fourth a fourth round rookie wide receiver is going like wide receiver 55 at this point or I can't yeah. I can't muster it up. I mean, I think he's a bad pick now. I think the time yep. to take him was like a month ago. Uh, and now it's just like you just got to take Tanya and Cobb and Watkins and the cheap guys. I mean, you're taking the falling Christian Watson. I'm taking. Yeah, uh, I'm now getting a ton of falling Christian Watson. He yeah, was I wasn't like taking Watson at all early and now I am. Yeah, he is like at the, at this completely falling price. He's back at practice now, and like on his second practice, I think Rodgers even after it was the quote was like he was praising Romeo Dubes, but right before that, he said some very good stuff about uh, like you know he was like changing some stuff about the play or something in the huddle, and Christian Watson immediately picked that up and he was praising him for that. And Watson, like, I think he was probably the only one on this team who could be very talented. Like Dubes coming into the NFL like a fourth round pick, right? These guys just don't hit on massive scales very often. Whereas like someone who profiles as a good receiver, very speculatively, like they, he played in an offense that was like very, used him in like very, you know, niche ways. He got like the end around stuff. He was like a deep burner guy at uh, North Dakota state and they were super run heavy. So it's a speculative projection, but clearly green Bay was willing to buy into that. And uh, you know, unfortunately gets hurt, but he's back now he's practicing. So to me, I think he's the one who, you know, I sort of look at like, you know, we talk about the Chiefs. Dude, Michael Hardman is just, I cannot envision a universe in which he leads this team in receiving yards. I can't see that for, you know. No, there's, there's no way, there's no way that happens. The the Hardman thesis is that he's cheap enough yeah, yeah. that like a couple long touchdowns in best ball is fine, right? That That's yeah. really it. And I feel the same way in Green Bay about Watkins, about Cobb. Like, yeah, they could, you know, they're cheap enough. They don't need to. 
Watson is cheap enough that he doesn't need to, but he still could because he has the best profile of anyone on this team. Like Lazard does not profile like a guy who leads the team in tarts. It could happen because someone has to do it. But if I was just placing bets purely on Talia on my evaluation of these guys as players, like to me, it would be Watson obviously missing a bunch of training camp was not good for him. And he's behind the eight ball for it. But I think he has just such a good like upside case. And even if he doesn't lead the team in targets, he profiles as a good replacement for MVS. Like that was the, the ideal fit for him really. And he lands in it, you know? So to me, he's like such a good bet in the way that people talk about MVS. Like if MVS doesn't like hit hard, he probably is still good for some spike weeks. If Watson turns out to be so-so, he probably still ends up being good for some spike weeks. And it wouldn't shock me if he led the team in receiving yards. So I think he's like such an easy player to buy at this super, super low cost. Yeah. Uh, all right, man, let's get out of here. Tell the people what they can find on, uh, on NBC sports edge and, uh, what the, the show, the show has a new name now. It is not, it's not going to be the good football show anymore. It's going to be the Roto world fantasy football show. Is that correct? I believe it's just the Roto world football show, but, uh, you are, um, hearing about this just as, as soon as I am. So you, <laughs> if it was the Roto world fantasy show, I wouldn't be shocked. I believe it is the Roto world football show. Bring the Roto World brand back. Uh, it was just one guy on Twitter who just kept adding the, the account and saying, bring the account back, bring Roto World back. And we finally capitulated to this one individual egg on Twitter. Uh, no, really excited to have that back for uh, even just for the nostalgia's sake. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. I, you can find all my stuff there. We have a whole day or one big draft going on. By the time you hear this, it'll be going on now. You can watch it back live. I think we have like Silva, Levitan, Rich, a uh, few other awesome guests on there that we'll be with. So check that out. That's the next big thing coming up. There we go. Everyone follow Kyle on Twitter and uh, I'll be back with Mr. Karain a little bit later in the week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 